Welcome to the Ellensburg Foursquare Sermon of the Week. To learn more about Ellensburg Foursquare Church, please visit our website at ellensburgfoursquare.org. Now, here's today's message. For those of you who don't know, my name's Steve. I, I pastor here and um, am just delighted. I, one, I just need to cheer you on. It's uh, time change weekend, right? And anybody who can make it to church anywhere close to on time this weekend, I just, I mean, I seriously, I pray that God, uh, I see that yawn. I, I pray that God would, would really reward you in that, like, I, I mean, it's a small sacrifice, but in our world, it's a very real sacrifice to, uh, you know, just have your, your night be an hour shorter. Those of you who got kids here, um, I just think that's super impressive. Well done. Um, so let me pray for us as we get started that, Lord Jesus, thank you for the worship. Thank you for the time together. And God, we just ask that you would use this part of the service to feed our soul with truth, with light, that you would, you would minister to um, all of who we are. Open our eyes, our ears, our hearts. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So um, in the book of Jeremiah, it starts out, and Jeremiah is being called by God. And when he responds to God's call as a prophet, the, the Lord says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, look, what do you see? And then Jeremiah has these series of visions that you know, he sees an almond branch, and then God has an interpretation for what he's seen. And then he sees a pot that's you know, boiling out from the north, and then God has an interpretation for what he's seen. And I feel like we are in a moment of our church that there's a lot for us to see. There's a lot that the Lord would want to teach us just from the activities of both this local body and the activities that are going on in our globe. So the beginning of, of this sermon is a few kind of random strands at first. So I just just kind of kind of run with me in that for a little bit, and then we'll, you know, by God's grace, get to get right into the kind of the deeper scripture from Ephesians. But um, the first one is I notice. That we're in a season as a church where there's a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of work going on. For example, obviously, you know, it's been brought up like, you know, several times. This weekend we had a youth retreat. That means a lot of people, a lot of you, were serving in extra ways this week in your life, especially youth leaders, especially student leaders, student leaders, youth leaders, uh, parents that came and helped cook. Um, Brian and Katie, I mean, the, the, the worship team up here, there is a lot of service going on this weekend. Then we got next weekend, we've got the women's retreat. It's going to be another one of those high service weekends, right? You're, I mean, even if you're just an attender, there's a, there's a certain kind of effort that you've got to extend and give of yourself to show up. Sort of like showing up at church, it takes, it takes effort. Now, in Scripture... The Spirit, when we talk about the Spirit of God, the word for Spirit in the Old Testament is Ruach, and it means breath or energy. It has this kind of a wide word that has a lot of stuff kind of attached to it, but it's breath or energy. And, and as a, a church that, that is, I mean, I hesitate to say it, but it's just true, as a Pentecostal church, a church that has, believes in the work of the Spirit of God moving in the body, that often gets 
kind of connotates sort of some of the more crazier, out-of-the-box sort of stuff, you know, speaking in tongues or maybe, maybe getting healed or maybe you know, falling down, the kinds of things that you know, if you watch TV, you could see it sort of be, being made fun of or caricatures of Pentecostal. But at our very roots, Ruach is spirit, right? It's wind, it's energy, it's breath inside of us, right? This is going somewhere. We're in a season where we're being asked to give and stretch and do more than we normally do. Well, I'm an exercise nut. I really, really love to push my body. I really love to, and what, you, what happens when you exercise is you breathe a lot, right? It's kind of a, well, no duh, right? You're, the, you push yourself, you breathe. You're, you're, and there's something about the Spirit of God being in us that drives us to stretch or push ourselves. Are you tracking with me just a little bit? Like, okay, and I know... Um, well, here, let, I'll use one more little word picture. In, um, in, if, if, you're, if you're an endurance athlete, there's a thing that si- the, the exercise science folks have really honed in on in the last 20 years, and it's called a HIT workout. It's H-I-I-T, high intensity interval training, right? So what you do in these workouts is they're not necessarily really long, but you go very, very hard for a short period of time, and then you take a break. So like maybe if you're on a bike, you're like for two minutes, you're, you're full capacity. You're just, you're, you're riding as hard and as fast as you possibly can. Your threshold heart rate is up there right near the peak, right? You do this for two minutes, then, then, you, then you lay off. You, then you go hard for another two minutes, you lay off. And you can do that for, you know, you, for, for maybe a half hour where you're doing 15 of these things, you know? Or, uh, so... So anyway, how does this all fit together? The Spirit of God. Well, I think what God is doing among us in this time is like a hit workout. You go hard. Youth leaders, you have gone hard. I can see it on your face. You are wrung out. You look like somebody who's just gone through an intense interval workout. You have given very, very hard. And the same thing, you even, even you go, hey, well, I'm not even leading next week. You're a woman, you're like, but, but you're, you're juggling your family, and you go, it's going to be an intense workout to show up. Or you're a dad who's like, yeah, well, she's going to show up, and I've got to cover bases at home, and I've been working hard all week. Even that is this, this time when you, the Ruach of God needs to fill our lungs, Right? We're in this season. And here's the deal. It's tempting to think in terms of like with about both our body, our energy, our spiritual life, our social life, that when you're tired, the thing you most need to do is just conserve. Right? Like just if I don't have enough energy, I don't want to sign up for anything new. Right? Well, I feel like as a church, for the last I would say 10 years, and I've been here five. So some of this is kind of interpreting back. We as a church have been on a, don't ask too much of me, we're tired, we don't have too much to give. And we have been slowly shrinking back. And what this new season that I see God doing, I see it through, I mean, Brian didn't need to call together a youth retreat this weekend. It's not like he doesn't have enough to do in his life. It's not like when I hired him, I said, oh yeah, and you need to take up a youth retreat, you know, in, in March. No, he's like, there's an opportunity. We're going to push hard. We're going to give all we have, and then we're going to rest. 
That part's important too, right? It's not just always go, 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 go. It's go hard and then rest. It's breathe in, breathe out. My challenge to you, I feel like this is a word from God. For us, church, we have to do both of those. We have to stretch. I don't really feel like it. it Of course, no one feels like having a hit workout. Nobody does. They suck. They hurt. They really, really hurt. But they transform your body. In fact, they say you're, everybody, you know, you start off with, a, with a, a maximum sort of output of your sort of genetics when you're, when you're, um, you reach sort of maturity, and then, whatever that is, 20-something probably, and then you slide down like this. The older you get, the less, the less max you have in what you can give from your body, right? And for lots of us, the curve goes like this, right? It goes way down. What they say about these HIIT workouts is they... They actually keep your, your uh, metabolism, they keep your body at a place where it can sustain. I mean, it still slopes, but the slope is way less. What's the takeaway? In the body of Christ, as we, as we get older, both sort of corporately and individually, I actually think we have an opportunity to go like this. There's no limits in the kingdom of God unless we bring them in. God is inviting us, body, this is the season to push. This is the season to, get, to give what you have, to say, yeah, I think I will do that. I will sign up for that. I will give to that. I mean, there's going to be another one. When, as we move towards um, VBS this summer, there's gonna be, it's going to be a week where it's like, ah, oh, this, I mean, really? I, I just want to check out. You know, I just want to coast. Let somebody else do it this time. I challenge you to think about it. Think about signing up and really going hard and then rest this is not a place we want to say go 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 never no it's go hard and then rest and what's interesting is after after you've gone hard you find yourself extra hungry right you just want to eat and my prayer for you and especially for you youth leaders who've gone through it you need to really take time to to drink in to to absorb to chew on the word of god that God's word would feed your soul, that it'd be protein for building your muscles, that it'd be restoration for your heart, that you would be more and more alive with the good news of the gospel. And, and that that's, that's for all of us. And any time we push hard, it actually increases our hunger for who God is and what he has to say to us. All right. That was my, that was, that, that was one of the threads. I have one other thread. This is another one of those, look, look. Um, I want to show you a little video. That this, is, this is a clip that my friend uh, Bryson, he was over in Seattle this week and he was standing at a bus stop. This, this is just a little clip from our, from our world. Can it? Okay, that was a joke. <laughs> Didn't really happen. Those are actors. But there we live. Here's another strand. This is, a, this, is, this is a different topic, but another strand of look, church, look. Have you noticed that we live in a world right now where there is a crazy frenzy of fear going on, right? And it and it doesn't even make sense. I've yet to hear any, but now I believe in science. I believe that there's a place for it, that if you find yourself with flu-like symptoms, please stay home. 
You know, that's good, right? You know, you should, he turns a newsflash, we should wash our hands. <laughs> that's good, right? We, we need to take care of our bodies. But there, we live in a world that is, and it's not just the United States. Usually, this isn't just an American thing. This is a global thing. Our whole world has been freaking out. The hospital where my wife works, someone has stolen the masks so that there's a shortage now of masks for, you know, the kind of the flip over for when, even when you go into the, uh, you know, an emergency situation because people are so afraid they're stealing the masks. What? What? It, why? What is going on? I don't know exactly. But in Ephesians, where we've come from, the scripture says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that you would know the hope to which you're called. As the body of Christ, we are called to have a different imagination than the imagination that is ruling in our world right now. Right? We're called to think about the world differently. We're called to allow the good news of Jesus to, to get inside of us so that when the rest of the world is shaking with fear, sell, 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 ah, stay, you know, shut down the schools. I mean, we are called to think different, to have hope, to look forward and say, God, what are you doing around us? There is clearly good that you have intended for us, and where is it, and how do I get to be a part of it? in a world that is so not thinking that way. I mean, and it doesn't even make any sense. We, when you think about the billions of dollars that have just been released, and you know, maybe that's a good idea. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not. I, I don't know. It's kind of above my pay grade, pay grade. But I notice that we live in a country that aborts millions of babies, and we say, well, we can't spend to try to save these lives. Millions. And then, then we're spending billions to try to, to, you know, try to address something that's really... Touched, I mean, 15,000 people die every year from the flu. We've seen nothing like that from this. There's a, clearly there's something going on than just, I'm afraid for vulnerable people. There's something else going on. It's going on inside of the hearts of our whole world, the hearts of our nation, that we're afraid. We're afraid something could happen to us. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened that your imagination would come alive, that you would see the world through hope and not through what the news has to say and not through what the, the fear mongers have to say. Hope that that would allow you the courage to reach out to your neighbor, to love your enemies, to engage in a world that is wondering, is this all there is? And if it is, then I'd better make I better do better steal those masks to make sure I feel safe. That the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would be filled, our imagination would be lit on fire with the good news of God and not the news of the circumstances. Now the only way that that's going to happen, I noticed this. Because of the, just the advent of all sorts of media, we, we have old media and new media, right? We still have print, we still have radio, we still have TV, and now we have like TV in our pockets everywhere we go, right? And so the, the power of, of all the various kinds of media is to, wants to form how we think and how we live. It wants to form our identity, our self. So if we're going to engage in a world that is full of fear, 
we're going to need to slow down and take time to be with the Lord, to ingest His Word, to meditate on it, to allow it to shape us more than your favorite radio talking head or your stream of, of social media or your, you know, your cable channel. That God's Word has to begin to impact us. It's absolutely powerful. But if we're ingesting all of this other stuff and then just a couple of scriptures a day, that's not going to cut it. We're going to be swept away with the same stream of fear, the same way of thinking just like everybody else. I'm not saying don't listen to the news. I'm not saying don't engage. But I am saying, look, we have to get God's Word inside of us. We have to allow His perspective. Like last week when Karen and Laura were preaching about about praise as our standard issue weapon, that taking time to engage with the Lord reshapes the way we see the news and the way we see our neighbor and the way we see our circumstances. Absolutely vital. Ingesting God's word, meditating on God's word, taking time to worship and pray in our lives. Absolutely necessary. Do you see it? Do you see what I'm saying? That the Lord would say, look, look, I want to teach you even now. As you, next time you hear the COVID-19 or whatever the name, you know, the, the, what do they call that thing? Corona, thank you. That reminds me of a good joke. You know what makes coronavirus not so bad? A little bit of Lyme's disease. Anyway, all right, all right. We're going to get to the Word. We'll get into Scripture. All right, um, so we're in Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at 11 through um, 22. Now, I actually preached on this passage, or most of this passage, um, out of order uh, during uh, Martin Luther King Day back in January. So we're going, to, we're going to blow through this a little faster than I've been doing some of the other Scriptures. And, I, and I've actually burned a path my time. So don't worry, I'm not just starting. I've actually been going here. My timer's going. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done by, the, by human hands, remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law and its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have reconciliation to the Father by one spirit. I'm actually going to end there, Jason. We'll save that last bit for next, uh, next week. So, Paul just finished up talking uh, with some very famous scripture. For by grace you are, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, 10. For by grace you are saved through faith. This is not, not of yourself, not by works, so that no one should boast. 
For we are God's workmanship, created for good works in Christ Jesus. Just very famous, very well known that, that we've been saved by grace. That God has, God, while we, were, while we were sinners, while we were rejecting Him, God came to be with us. God came to redeem us. Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins. This is, this is very, very familiar scripture for for anybody who goes to church, or anybody who's kind of been involved in any sort of Protestant denomination for the last 500 years, this is... This. Now, this next part that we just talked about is a little different, though. It's, a, it's actually a lot different. That, For example, this is the easiest one, and I, and I reviewed this, or I, I spoke on this uh, Martin Luther King weekend, but Sunday morning in the United States is the most segregated time in America. It's the time... When we all go to our, our, our tribe's worship service. It, just, it, it has been that way for, for a century or more, maybe for a couple centuries, but it continues to be that way. I mean, I, there's, a, there's a church um, that when I'm, when I'm driving in Spokane going to my in-law's house, we go by the, uh, it's like the Slavic Reform Church or something, you know, and I think, man, I don't... I don't how many Slavic people are there in Spokane? I got enough to have a church, right? You know, we, we, we go to, we like to worship with people who are like us. And that was no different than in Paul's day. In fact, it was even more so in that Jews were separated from Gentiles or Greeks or, you know, kind of however you, you want to think of it. The Jews thought of Jews and everybody else. And they weren't just separated. They were separated by a variety of things. One, they were separated by ethnicity. They were genetically of a different tribe than everybody else. So they had their, their genetic difference. They had their cultural difference. They had some very distinct things about who they were and how they lived and the language they spoke and the customs and things that they kept. And then they were separated by the spiritual difference. That there was actually a law of God that said that they were not to associate with the, the Gentiles. The whole purpose of the law was to create, to help, well, part of the purpose, I shouldn't say the whole, was to help Israel create, foster its identity. It's, it was supposed to be a unique light that shone to the Gentiles, that showed the whole world the uniqueness and goodness of God. But what came of it was a, we're better than you, don't come near to us, you make me dirty, if you, if, if you, I can't even eat dinner with you, we're so much better than you. And that difference was supported by the very, it, and the underlying assumptions went all the way back to the law of God. So, one of the, one of the, the, the graphic ways is circumcision, we won't get to go into all that, but even on their physical body, the Jews were physically, had made themselves physically different than everybody else. There was one way to know how they're, you know, whether you are or not in the club. And Paul says, look, when Jesus went to the cross, he took in his body all the divisions. All the divisions. And I believe he's holding up, in this passage, he's holding up Jew and Gentile, and he's saying, this division right here represents all the divisions in the whole world. All the ways that we separate ourselves from one another. And whether, it's, whether it's physical, genetic, whether it's cultural, whether it's even spiritual divisions, Jesus took all that in his body and went to the cross. And because of that, 
Because he took that in himself. He tore down the dividing wall. All the things that we would say, I'm not like you. I'm better than you. I'm worse than you. I I can't relate with you. Whatever it is, Jesus, Jesus took them all into himself. Now, this is problematic for us in some ways because it's like, you know, if we take the difference between Democrat and Republican, we'll go, you say, look, there are some real differences. Conservative, liberal, liberal, conservative, right? There are some real differences that don't just get reconciled really easy, right? In fact, that is the graphic illustration of the cross, right? This is how reconciliation happens. Somebody's got to bleed. Somebody's got to die. It doesn't just happen like that. It's in his very body. He took on all of the division, all of the sin, all of the brokenness. So that then Paul can say, he's made in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. Now, that, that's cool. I think conceptually we get this. But then when you think about, okay, so what does it now look like for the church in Paul's day, right? Because you've got these, in this, in this town of Ephesus, you've got these Jewish people who all their life have been taught, don't eat pork, don't eat pork, don't eat pork, don't eat pork, right? I heard um, there's something about dietary, about diet and the ways that it affects us psychologically. I, I was reading about this, um, this Muslim guy who, totally secular, right? He was raised in a Muslim household, but completely secular, stopped believing in God altogether. I mean, he's atheist now doesn't believe in God. He completely gave up the moral codes that were, were handed to him as a Muslim. You know, no, you know, none of the kind of moral standards. <laughs> but to this day, he said, the thought of pork makes him want to wretch. Why is that? Well, because it, it was, though the things we eat are just so encoded into us in the way we think. So now you've got over here, Jewish people who won't eat pork, right? And then you've got, these the Christ, that have become Christians, who become Christ followers. And then you've got over here the Gentiles who love it, right? It's like, oh, this is, this is just, it's like part of their economy. It's just part of the way they live. And they're going to come together to have dinner. These people aren't even used to having a Gentile in their house, right? These people don't know what the standards are. If they, if they, go, to the, if they go to the Jewish house, they don't even know what the rules are, right? They don't know what they should or shouldn't do, when they should wash their hands, when they shouldn't. Same thing, these people come over here and they're like, was this sacrificed at, at the temple? Was, is this like pagan uh, meat that's been, that's been dedicated to some foreign god? That makes me want to wretch. I can't, I can't even, th- even if it was a bull, I don't, I don't want any part of that. And, and Paul is saying, in Christ, the two have become one. Well, here's the deal. They're both going to have to sacrifice, right? You can't bring them together without some blood Blood, right? I'm not talking literal blood, but somebody not getting their way. Somebody's going to have to give. And Paul is saying, in Christ, there's a, third, there's a new humanity. It's not going to be all Jewish, and it's not going to be all pagan. It's going to be a new thing, rooted in its very heart, in its very heart in the gospel. The only thing that holds us together is the good news of Jesus. That I would learn to love somebody who thinks totally different than me. And in that process, there are things in me that are going to have to die. And there are things in you that are going to have to die. 
Now, this gets problematic when we think about in our modern age because we have dominant culture where, you know, everybody kind of doesn't... What the, the interesting thing about dominant culture is you don't even see the other cultures. You're like, oh, everybody's just like me because everybody I talk to is fluent in the things I'm fluent in. But if you come from a minority culture, you're like, you, you're, you're able to speak dominant, usually, but nobody, nobody goes out of their way to speak yours, right? So then when we talk about coming together and creating a level playing field, like what does it look like? Oh, it's messy. It's hard. Now, circling back, remember how I said, for by grace you are saved through faith? Little story from my history that, that cast that scripture into a whole new way. My wife and I, one summer, had the privilege of getting on a bus with a group of, I mean, there were, there were four different distinct ethnic groups together. There was my wife and I, I was actually the only white man married to a white woman. There's another white guy, but he was in a biracial marriage. So it was us, African, a couple African-American families, um, Native American family, several Asian-American families, Hispanic family, I guess there were five, and Hispanic family, oh, we're all on this bus, and we are studying American history. First, we start off in North Carolina and we, where, where the Cherokee Trail of Tears started. And we followed that all the way out in this bus, all the way to Anna, two weeks, stopping at sites, studying the history of America, the dark history of America. Stop in Anadarko, um, Oklahoma, where the, where the end of the trail was, where the, the Cherokee Reservation is. And then we, we take a little break. And then we head the other way and we study about the civil rights movement. So two more weeks of going to sites all throughout the South for where, um, basically studying both slavery and then, and then the civil rights movement. And it was so heavy. It was so hard. It was hard to face as a white guy. Like it was just, I mean, it was just so hard. And as I am just being, just, kind of growing more and more like that. I've got this backpack of guilt and shame on my back for, for the ways America has treated, we've treated one another in our, in our country, particularly around racial lines. God brought me back to this scripture. For by grace, you are saved through faith. Steve, you wouldn't, and the Lord's saying to me, Steve, you wouldn't say to somebody who's seen how bad they've been, now fix it. Right? You wouldn't say to a, a prostitute or a drug addict, now, now just, just get better. Now just pay it back. Pay it back. Pay. No. You, the gospel, the good news to somebody who has personally done wrong is salvation by grace. Now, of course, there's reconciliation. There's work. To, there's there's um, restitution maybe that needs to be done. There's a new life that needs, a new path that needs to be formed. But it is God's grace that allows you to have a voice at the table to sit down, to pull off shame, right? We know this on an individual level. I hope we do. Hopefully we're knowing this. But God began to show me, Steve, you, 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 you need to receive grace on, a corporate, on, on an identity level for where you've been and who your people are. Now, that does not justify. That doesn't change what has happened. In fact, what's interesting is it gave me more freedom to look and be able to say, yes, we really did do wrong. Yes, that really was wrong. Yes, restitution needs to be made. 
But I notice that that's not, there's, there's a knee-jerk reaction around those of us who have benefited from hundreds of years of oppressive national behavior. I noticed that because I lived on a reservation and I went from there to living on, on the Yakima Indian Reservation and I noticed how when you start talking about land around cowboys, it gets really personal really fast. And I've tempted, I don't know if we're going to do it. Some of my friends down, down in Yakima, well, down further south, in the Yakima Reservation, they do, um, they, have this, they have this drum group that does this dancing in our prayers. These are Christian native people who are working hard to, to embrace their native culture and embrace their Christian faith, right? So they'll come, set up their drum and sing and dance. It's really powerful. It's really beautiful. And my old boss, Corey, he would, if I brought him here, he'd probably offend you all. Because he he'll just he'll talk about native history, he'll talk about ways that the church has oppressed their people and ripped their culture apart, and told them you can have a drum that's set up like this, but you can't have a drum that's set up like this. There's a lot of pain there, and 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 the ways that they took their traditional lands and shrunk it and shrunk it, and we live on those lands now. For by grace you're saved. Wow. We're in a big mess, God. This is a big, crazy mess. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened, that your imagination would change, that you would see the world in a different way that would allow us to come to new solutions that have not been even considered yet because our imagination has been crushed by colonialism, by selfishness, by greed, we, we haven't been able to think gospel, so all we feel is like, oh, it's one or the other. It's you or me, and it's not going to be me, so it better be you. Boom. Fear, the, the same fear runs throughout us. And yet here, Paul is saying, one new humanity, reconciliation, reconciled together. Jews and Greeks come together. America built together on the good news of Jesus. A different way of seeing the world. For by grace you are saved through faith. Now, what's sad is so often this has been, like when you start thinking on a broader social level, the sort of social justice has been put even in the Christian world in one kind of Christian group. And the people who really care about morality and care about you know, kind of personal piety have been in this other group and they've been, they've been fighting against each other. Uh, you know, evangelism, social justice, this kind of, this kind of thing. But it, the reality is, when, when I see Paul talking about reconciliation, we're talking about two wings on an airplane. What one, what's the important ring? Do you need the evangelism or need the justice? Well, if you're going to fly, baby, you need both. We have to be a church devoted to reconciliation with one another if we're going to have a voice in calling people to reconcile with God. And that's hard work because reconciling with one another, remember the pork problem? Like, what, what, what are we going to eat? If, if Jews and Greeks are going to come together, what are they going to eat? Well, it's going to take a work of God <laughs> to figure that one out. Start talking about what does it mean for us to be a body that, that embraces all kinds of people. We're going to come into messy situations. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, shoot, we, can't, we have a hard time with, was the music too loud today? Right? I mean, we have a hard time with, with old and young. We're all of the same, you know, we're all from the same family group and we still can't get along. Right? The kids don't want to go to the same church 
churches are elders. Oh, we've got to get deeper into this gospel. Gee, the, the very work of the Spirit, the Ruach, the breath of God, has got to be allowing us to breathe in and breathe out, giving and, and receiving from one another, not getting our way all the time. Because the way the world, the way everybody else out there is, you try to maximize your way, right? Have it your way, have it your way, right? And, and in, the, in, the, in the church, it's like, no, God, what is your way? Show me. And, and in the process, you're going to end up crucifying a lot of my sensibilities, a lot of the ways that it kind of seems right that it would just be this way. Well, no, actually, there's other ways to think about it. So what do we do with this? This is where, I, this is where I'm stuck. <laughs> I, I, I would say, worship team, would you come up? We, we, it actually circles us back around to, where, to exactly what Karen and Laura were talking about, where we, where we started with this whole idea of we push hard and then we rest, that we find ourselves hungry for God's word, that we have to, we have to be engaging with the Lord's grace in our life if we're going to have grace to give to one another. So that's where worship comes in. That's where scripture comes in. It's where prayer comes in. God help us. You are, my brother, my sister's on my last nerve and I just can't take it anymore. God have mercy. God meet me. I need you. God give me courage to voice. Particular, I think this is particularly for our, our people from, from uh, non-majority culture. God, give me the courage to voice how I feel in this situation, even though I'm probably not going to be able to be understood. It's going to be really hard for them to understand me. We need to hear your voice. We really do. And for those of us from majority culture who don't even know, like, what are you saying? Like, God, would you be unplugging our ears and help us listen and not hear it as a personal attack that I'm saved by grace? That I, the, the currency we live in is grace. This is the invitation of God. This is us being called in to be the church. And as I look at the world around us, the, church, the world needs us to be living the gospel with us, you know, with, with open doors that allow other people to come in, not, not some sort of closed insular thing, but, but definitely with us loving and living this crucified life with one another. That's the invitation that Paul's talking about here. So we're going to close in one last song. There's going to be uh, prayer teams on the side. If there's anything in your life that you need prayer for, please come up and get prayer. If you find yourself pinched or stretched, please come up and get prayer. And pray for us, and then we'll close in worship. Spirit of God, I pray that you would be breathing in us the energy and the hope and the vision to take steps forward into your gospel that you would be reconciling us with one another, that we would be a light to the world, that we would be, have the energy and the hope and the courage to engage with a world that doesn't see like we see.
Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen.